0: Hi everyone, welcome once again to How to Pakistan the podcast. We're starting off with a fresh episode, and thank you for listening to a previous one with the great Sunamir. Today we've got a fantastic guest. But before I introduce him, let me just say hello to Musharraf and allow Musharraf to uh, make the introductions.
1: Well, uh, Fussy, uh, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Uh, Thank you so much for allowing me to do the introduction after. Not allowing me to ask Sanamid any questions. Any questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so for today's episode, um, we thought we'd talk about. Originally, we thought, you know, Carlotta Gall has written this piece that is really. I, I don't have any nice words for it, so I'm probably going to lay off. Uh, and then we thought. Well, then then we thought we should do something on this, and then we kept thinking about it, and we were talking about who we should bring in to to help us discern and understand this kind of reporting about Pakistan. And then there was this fantastic piece, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, uh, that was published by Bloomberg, which was just... I mean, if you could get worse than the piece by Carlotta Gall, it was this piece by... I think the local stringer on this was somebody named uh, Mungi, and there was another... Bloomberg reporter whose name uh, escapes me, and it was basically a piece about Pakistan about to default, which in the piece itself it acknowledged it's not about to default, and yet the the lead was basically well, you know, don't believe any of the good news coming out of Pakistan because it's not true, and then like the second para onward, it was like a deconstruction of of, of that lead. So <laughs> so we were like, yeah, like why are people sort of so angry with Pakistan, and we thought. I mean, fussy. you know, you and I thought, well, sometimes it's okay to be angry with Pakistan, because, you know, Pakistan doesn't always do the right thing. In fact, it very rarely does the right thing. And so who would be a really interesting person to talk to about Pakistan's mistakes and maybe how and why Pakistan ended up in a place where credible journalists can write incredible and ridiculous pieces of work that a lot of people, unfortunately, around the world take seriously. And so the I... name Hossein Hakani came up, and Fussy was like, no, Hossein is like, he's like, A-list, and we're like, no-list.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so he's not gonna really,
1: he, I, I'm not sure he's gonna do it, and I was like, well, but Hossein Hakani is like, you know, he's like a fair guy, and he likes to talk to intelligent people, and, you know, one out of two ain't bad. <laughs> so, uh, I don't think he needs any introduction. He's the former ambassador of Pakistan to the United States. He's at the Hudson Institute. Uh, he's a prolific writer uh, in his past incarnation. He was a journalist. Uh, he's worked closely with both Nawaz Sharif and with Shahid Murtaghama Benazir Bhutto, uh, as well as you know being ambassador in the previous administration. Uh, he's written a couple of books, uh, which we'll talk about as well. Uh, but I think How to Pakistan is... is Really honored uh, to welcome uh, somebody of the stature of Ambassador akani to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, Ambassador Hakani.
2: Pleasure being here, Musharraf. Always good to be with people who think they are smarter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is why you're never lonely. <laughs> so, I mean, Ambassador uh, Hakani, let's just start off. Uh, what did you think of the Carlotta Gaul piece? Did you like love it?
2: <laughs> no, no. Look,
0: here's, here's the bottom line. I
2: understand the context of both. I'm from Pakistan. I am a Pakistani.
1: But I... Like, uh, somebody doesn't like, like the fact that we're talking to Ambassador Harkari. What what just oh, happened? <laughs> we, we just... <laughs> we just lost... A... We just lost that Gani network. Yeah.
0: All right, he's coming back. Hold on. Let's yeah. see. Well, it's interesting that, you know, even the connection that he's trying to reestablish is so difficult right now. <laughs> <laughs> this, is this is awful. <laughs> is this is Skype yeah, gate. This is awful. Skype gate.
1: <laughs> I wonder if we should start from the top or whether we should I think the world No no we
0: should just continue let's, I think the world should know that Skype is anti Haqqani anti Haqqani and anti how to Pakistan and yeah the okay I think I, he's
1: back Ambassador Haqqani
0: Are you back I I I think Ambassador Haqqani is trying his best to get back on and uh, actually, he's he's redialing in right now. I mean, the other theory for conspiracy theorists is that it's taking him a long time to uh, say, you know, uh, about his experiences in Pakistan and you know uh, why things are better now. But once we have him, I'm sure he'll continue. <laughs> where he was he was going off, you know.
1: But, uh, so basically, you're saying that he's buying
0: time to come up with like a like a reasonable. Uh-huh. Okay. it's it's a very beautiful country for provinces. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh well, this is this is not good, Fussy.
0: <laughs> what are we gonna it do? Is really unfortunate. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and the funny thing is, you and I both had conversations today and yesterday. With uh, sort of international journalists about doing a more professional podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, so much, so much for that. I, I think. Yeah. So I think
0: he might be back. Hello. No, I think he just gave up. He, he was like, "How to Pakistan? No to Pakistan." No to <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm I'm gonna bring him in. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Or at least yeah. I'll try to try to bring him in. Skype is no friend. We need to, you know, if we banned Skype, we'd have a desi alternative that would work better.
1: Yeah. The worst part is, given given this the lack of sophistication of the tool that we're using to record, I'm I'm not sure that we can continue the podcast if if we hang up and try again. So no, no, no. I
0: I agree. Let me just try and get the ambassador online and. Till then, we'll impugn every motive he has for, and Skype's motives, for not connecting us. Yeah, I, I,
1: I have to say, it's, I'm pretty sure it's Skype. I, I think it Skype. I, I, I,
2: oh. Haan, kya hai, it's Skype. It's great to have you back. Uh, good to be back. And uh, so now you want to, uh, you still need an explanation for what happens anyway. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no. Shall we, shall we Shall we keep the introduction and everything as it was and then you guys can somehow edit it and all that? And well no, I what think exactly
1: we were thinking we let it go as it was. Yeah, we, we were we were spending the time that you weren't with us uh impugning both Skype and, and your and your excellency. Uh although we were quite polite about both, um because we were conscious that we'd okay. like to actually we'd like to just go oh. go live, if you will, go as live. Okay.
2: So, so so let's go back to what I was saying. What I was saying was that uh, I understand both sides. I understand where uh, we in Pakistan are coming from and how the rest of the world is looking at us. And then, of course, I, since I've been in the U.S. since 2002, I've done a lot of research, gone into the Library of Congress to read the early newspapers of Pakistan, which none of you have read. For example, what did Dawn say on the 14th of August 1947? and subsequently all the way uh, to the 1971 war, etc., etc. Here's the bottom line. The bottom line is that we in Pakistan are actually victims of our own narrative. And our narrative makes us look at ourselves very differently from how the rest of the world looks at us. And then we get annoyed when the others look at us and say how they look at us. Now, let's take karl Balls. Hold on. Let's take karl Balls. Okay. What is your objection to it, both of you? Start listing.
1: Oh, I don't have a list. I stopped reading when she when she impugned Pakistan for for creating and sustaining Daesh. I thought that she had jumped something much larger than the shark, and that was the end of the conversation for me. Fassi is a much more tolerant person, so I think he read the whole he read the whole
0: damn thing. So I I, I agree with uh, many of the things that she mentioned, but there were two things that. There were two things that did, like, where I agree and where I thought that, again, there was a jumping-the-shark element. I do believe that people have gone from Pakistan um, to fight for ISIS or other groups. However, to somehow suggest that, you know, we're part of a much broader, uh, you know, uh, effort by the state to engineer in other countries as far as the Middle East... I think, I think that was a ma- massive jump to make. And the second one... So, was which
2: one of you knows the history going back all the way to 1947, for example? Not the history that's taught in Pakistan studies, not the history that's shown on television on 14th August, but the real history. So the, so the real history, all,
1: wait, but the real history, we're talking about Daesh or are we about to go into magnificent to delusions? Daesh. Let's time,
2: come to Daesh. Let's uh, before we come to Daesh, let's go back into history. Let's be honest. Try and see things from other people's point of view. Fact of the matter is that in 1947-48, if you look at the Middle East, the Middle East were all settling in into Arab nationalism, secular nationalism. Turkey, of course, was Kemalist. Iran was under the Shah, uh, and the Arab countries were actually fighting for a secular nationalism. Under An-Nasser uh, came about in Egypt two, three, four years later. Uh, But, you know, Egypt was going in that direction, so were the uh, Arab countries like Syria and Iraq. The only country in the world at that time that was espousing pan-Islamism was Pakistan. In 1948, the finance minister, uh, Mr. Ghulam Mohammed, who later on became governor-general, he actually uh, started speaking about uh, Islam as uh, uh, the panacea uh, at a state level. And okay, but, all
1: but, the world. Hold, hold on, Ambassador Khan.
2: Uh, Ambassador Kani. Hold Look. on. All the from the Muslim Brotherhood of Egypt to the Grand Mufti of Palestine, ended up in Karachi at one point. They actually lived in Karachi. Said Ramadan did, uh, the Grand Mufti of Palestine did. So the reason why I'm saying this is I'm not saying Carlotta is right. All I'm trying to do is explain the context. The context is that here the journalist who kind of looks at us. As the center of Islamism, which we don't necessarily agree with, and especially the Pakistani elite doesn't, and we get get annoyed because the word in the headline always is Pakistan does this, and then Farsi says I'm not that Pakistan, and Musharraf says I'm not that Pakistan. And
1: what does Ambassador say? What does
2: Ambassador Haqani say? Well, Ambassador Haqani says that Pakistan's role in Islamism and pan-Islamism is underappreciated by Pakistan's elite, and many of us actually have a vested interest, vested in the sense of loving our country, not in a bad way, but a vested interest in trying to play it all down. The intelligence on it all, the research on it all, actually tends to show that a lot of the things people say about, if they are not 100% correct, they are 60 to 70 to 80 to 90% correct. Okay, for example, so, but what's the, I mean, so here's I mean, the larger I mean, point. We should have, question for you. How many people got got annoyed when in 2006, it was, I think, or 2007, that Hamid Karzai said that we have intelligence, the Afghans had intelligence, that Osama bin Laden was in Pakistan. Well, guess what? A few years later, it turned out right. So all I'm saying is that a reporter like Carlotta Gall, who's trying to compete for space in a newspaper, if she picks up that stuff and kind of embellishes it, I understand it. I don't agree with it. But I understand it, and I also understand the frustration of my countrymen who say nobody has a positive image of us. What's going on? Why do these people write this kind of stuff?
1: Well, I think the so I mean a couple of things. Number one, you know, the um, Nasir took over in '56, which was almost ten years after the creation of Pakistan. But but that I mean that's just a factoid that doesn't really it doesn't matter that much. Here's what really matters. I
2: I did point that out, that 1952 Nasser came, but what I'm saying is that Egypt was already, even under the Waft party, it was aspiring for secularism. So when, when, when the first Pakistani envoy landed in Egypt, I don't know if you remember this story, King Farouk turned around and said to him, Please don't lecture us on Islam as far as we are concerned. We know that Islam was founded by Muhammad bin Abdullah, not by Muhammad Ali Jinnah. The point is that the creation of the state of Pakistan was accompanied with this enthusiastic Islamic uh, sort of identity that at that time was not being pursued by other countries. So in some ways... As far as the Islamist narrative is concerned, Pakistan has been a special place for it. And we shouldn't disown it. No, no nobody's disowning it, it.
1: But when I when I hear people t- sort of use the example of Egypt to put Pakistan down, I think, seriously, like, have you read the papers no, no, recently? It,
2: it Can I Can I, just
1: just yeah, add I'll one, uh, one just little thing.
2: Oh. This, this narrative is flawed. Look, I think that all of you have become too defensive. Nations, look, somebody asked me, you know, how people call me traitor sometimes and all that. I said, look, my definition of patriotism is my country right or wrong. But to uh, keep right when it is right, to set right when it is wrong. There's no harm in letting people criticize, including ourselves. This defensiveness of, oh, gosh, they're bashing Pakistan. Nobody's bashing Pakistan. Somebody's criticizing it. You can defend it. Let's stick to arguments. Instead of just assuming that people are running Pakistan, but here's now. the
1: difference, uh, huh? Ambassador yeah. Kani. You're talking to Fassi and Musharraf, right? And and so and both mm. both these individuals. Now I'm referring to myself in the fourth person. That's fantastic. So both these individuals sort of have a track record of criticizing Pakistan when it's wrong. Uh, but I'll speak for myself. But I also have sort of a serious commitment to actually trying to be trying to be fair. Uh, trying to identify, even when institutions that I'm not the biggest fan of, when they get something right, to say, hey, well done. Because I believe that when you encourage somebody who hasn't done things right for a long time by saying, hey, good job, when they do something right, you're actually encouraging that kind of behavior. My problem with, and the reason we picked up on Carlotta Gall's piece and this Bloomberg piece, is because there's a gratuitousness to the negativity that they've adopted, that a lot of the criticism...
2: Sure, that's comparable comparable to the gratuitousness that comes in Pakistan in attacking these people. I mean, I hope you remember that Carlotta Gall was physically beaten up for being in Quetta uh, by people that were identified as belonging to Pakistan's intelligence service. So if she gets personally angry, and by the way, her father was very friendly to Pakistan, uh, she's the daughter of Sandy Gall, who actually uh, supported Pakistan throughout the war against the Soviets and much later as well. So she actually was very friendly. Look at her entire record. She was very friendly to Pakistan and she just turned on. And I understand, look, all I'm saying is, I don't slot people into enemies and friends just because of one piece. I look at their whole body of, 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 of writing. I also understand, since you and I also have private conversations every now and then, Musharraf, I also understand where you guys are coming from. Look, you feel Pakistan's struggling, we are doing so well, we are improving, and yet nobody is appreciating it. Well, guess what? When you have a long history of uh, sort of having a narrative that does not jive with the rest of the world's narrative, then, then there's some time to just take a deep breath and say, okay, they'll say all of this, let's set things right, and eventually they'll all come around to accepting. That I think, uh, is,
0: Ambassador Akanni. one of the things that I'd be interested in also is that while I agree our experiment on flirting with Islamism has had severe consequences and problems, those that, I mean, we're responsible for a lot of what we're, uh, the mess we're in today. But I think one of the contentious pieces uh, on uh, what Carlotta was saying is the... And since, I mean, you're much more knowledgeable than us, but I mean, the fact that suggesting that, let's say, Pakistan's flirtation has gone to another level, whereas if this piece had been written in 2011, I would have probably said, you know, there's enough margin of error here that it could go either way. And of course, there were a number of things that happened subsequently that made us look very bad, and which are questions that are still unanswered. So my question to you is that, In terms of a factual basis, now we know the uh, history and why that may have sort of tainted someone to write in a certain manner or maybe that they're not as current as they should be. But my question is, is the suggestion in the piece that maybe our security establishment is actually one step further than what we usually criticize it for, not only internally but externally as well, do you think that that assessment that she's made is correct or not? Do you think the Pakistani state is actually supplying people for ISIS?
2: I am not physically there, so I really have no idea. This is the kind of journalism that some of the you people who are there should be doing, checking it out. Is she right? Is she wrong? Here's the bottom line. The bottom line is that there is a history to it. And when when others were pointing it out, we were denying it. We were living in denial. I remember the Musharraf years when people used to say to me when my first book, Pakistan Between Mosque and Military, came out. The number of people in Pakistan who said, oh, God, you've got it all wrong. Musharraf's the good guy. And this is the other Musharraf, not Musharraf Zahidi, who is a good guy. <laughs> um, uh, the, the, this is General Parvail Musharraf. And now you remember Musharraf came out only last year in his interview to Guardian. and said, yes, I was supporting the Taliban. Yes, I was protecting the haqqani network. Yes, I was uh, helping uh, Mullah Umar's network because that was in Pakistan. Said, My point being that... We have to give some room to outsiders who are listening to sources other than the ones we listen to. Look, we have created too self congratulatory a narrative. We are one of the few countries in the world that have actually lost territory since their foundation. We lost half of our territory, more than half of our population. Go to a bookshop in Islamabad right now, and I'll tell you, I know the books. There are only six books on the loss of East Pakistan by Pakistanis. Two of them by generals who were involved in it, trying to defend themselves and say everybody else was wrong, I wasn't, I was the good guy. And four of them somewhat analytical. We've never released our official papers ever. We don't do that kind of thing, to try and set the record right, so that people know who was saying what at what time and what was going on. In that context, it becomes uh, imperative uh, for us Open ourselves to questioning of our uh, state apparatuses co- uh, conduct by others. Now I know it annoys. It annoys. But look, I used to get annoyed in the early nineties when foreign journalists used to say that Pakistan is actually uh, becoming home to foreign uh, foreign jihadis. I was in the Benazir Bhutto government as Secretary of Information. I sat in the Cabinet. I remember Benazir Bhutto reading an American uh, official letter to the Cabinet and saying, the Americans say that all the Arab jihadis who were involved in Afghanistan are now coming into Pakistan and they are in Islamabad and Peshawar General Nasiruddin uh, Babar, who was the Interior Minister, asked for a copy of the letter and said, I'll report back. 15 days later, he reports and says, Well, there are some of them here, but they are not doing anything bad. They're all just, uh, you know, they're they're religious people. They can't return to their countries. That was the official view. This was 1994-95. Then in case of the Taliban, we were in denial. We kept saying we had nothing to do with the uh, creation of the Taliban. If you remember, at that time, Ahmed Rashid used to report that Pakistan was officially actually helping the Taliban. And he was called a traitor in the Pakistani press. That is the only context in but the But here's the okay. Now. So
1: Ambassador Akhani, here's yeah. the here's the problem with, with I mean, first of all, the biggest problem with everything you've said is that it's it's largely true. And so that's a big problem. We we really I, I really I mean, you know, as a Pakistani I have a serious problem with people who are just gonna go ahead and tell us our history as it actually happened. That, I mean, it's a terrible thing. <laughs> we should... We should. Then,
2: then, be prepared, then be prepared for others to keep digging at it and bringing it out. Look, no, but here's Pakistan the thing. No, no, no. But but here's... here's Pakistan That's exactly the problem. You haven't written a book yet and I'm waiting for it. And I'm encouraging both of you to write books. They're substantially researched books. Yeah, but here's... But you see, here's the... All Pakistan, all Pakistan produces is TV stars, TV anchors, uh, reporters, journalists. And it's very easy to pick somebody else apart. My point is, if Musharraf Zahdi wrote a substantive, well-researched piece that gave a very different view from what Carlotta Gall, Gall has done, he will be published in uh, the New York Times. But the fact of the matter is that the moment you start researching the facts, you will stumble on uncomfortable facts. No, and I, you come I, I, I have
1: No, I have no fact. problem with this. I have no problem with that part of it. I think the problem is that... When, when we're uh, when Pakistan has behaved gratuitously, as as we've just discussed in this short conversation, there have been parts of our history in which I don't think, uh, you know, I think Fassi referred to it in a, in a kind of a light touch way. I mean, Fassi said we were flirting with uh, with things. I don't think it was a flirtation at all. It was a long term. It was a long term relationship.
2: We were in a we were in a plural
1: marriage with them. Exactly. Exactly. It wasn't a flirtation. It was much more than that. So that being said and Still, done,
2: by the, and please don't deny that because the truth is that in Pakistan there is a tendency also always to look at the hand and say how nice is my thumb and forget about the other four fingers. That's not how the world really works. No, People no, look at totality. And the totality remains. Osama bin Laden was found in Pakistan, yeah, and yeah. we have not. All we did, all we did was we found a poor ambassador and made him a scapegoat. And in the end, we forgot about why was he here, who kept him here. No full details, no research, no inquiry.
1: Well, okay. Second,
2: so, 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 no, no. We let's have, just stop these, there for a second. We have, jihadi groups, we have, jihadi groups, we have these jihadi groups like leshkar like Jaysh Ahmad that are on international terrorist lists. We either conform to them or we don't. So we can't just pick and choose. And then if some people make up facts about us, of course, we should rebut them. But our blanket denial approach doesn't work because most people around the world have been researching this meticulously and they keep tracking people who end up being in Pakistan, unfortunately. And there are, look, there are Pakistanis who have been found fighting alongside ISIS. There's no doubt about it. But that doesn't mean Pakistan is responsible for ISIS. I agree with you there. However, Given the background and the circumstances, the onus of disproving somebody like Carlotta Gall lies on us, unfortunately, and we are in, we've put ourselves in that, unfortunately.
1: Uh, so I so this is I think that now we finally, after 20 odd minutes, this to me is is the fundamental point of departure or divergence because to me, and and Fussy and I had a conversation. I'll let Fussy weigh in, but for for my money. There's absolutely no point in engaging, and, and this is why, for example, we haven't invited Carlotta, because because I really can't talk to someone who claims to have gotten Pakistani nuclear secrets from Talat Masood at Kosar Market, or somebody who claims that Pakistan supporting Daesh, notwithstanding all of Pakistan's problems and faults and limitations and flirtations and long-term affairs, Pakistan, you know, if it... If Pakistan's gonna be treated the way that Carlotta has treated Pakistan, both in her book and in this piece, there's not a lot to like. I don't think there's any conversation to be had. I think that this is like a Looney Tunes sort of a discourse.
2: Therefore, so therefore, brace yourselves for the time when you will only be talking to each other and occasionally to somebody like me who's willing to talk. Look, I, my last book ends with a chapter titled "Parallel Universes." I'm saying this on your show, Musharraf. And I want you and all those who listen to you carefully to listen. There are two parallel narratives. In one narrative, yeah, 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 what Pakistan, Pakistan has made some mistakes, China, but, but you, know, chodo, koi baat you know, it's like, it's like, it's like the, the you know how sometimes there's a parent who's the indulgent parent and who says ah okay fail hogya koi baat nahi agli baat pass ho jayega kind of approach and then there is the strict parent I I always want to see myself as a pa- strict parent to Pakistan or the strict brother who says no 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 take a deep breath this is going to multiply.
1: It's sir, not going to diminish. Sir, that you Pakistan and Pakistan. So You the paper was tough, you point
2: is at the end of the day, it's the result that counts. Now, let's go back. And, well, go the to result, other so, so, I just no, a,
0: a quick question, Ambassador Akani, is that one of the questions is also that given the recent shift, whereas we know that there have been exceptions to the policies and uh, on uh, sort of um, insurgents and militants in our territory and you know, some of our uh, relations with the neighbors, but given how monolithic in some ways immovable the security apparatus is in this country, the fact that it's... In any country.
1: It's like that in any country.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, the fact that it's moved but, this much. True, Shav, don't make that sweeping statement. Let me correct
2: you like I would have spooned in my class. Uh, no, not every country. The, the United States, for example, moved from being the enemy of Russia and China to being China's big
1: patron. It took 20 years. Ambassador it, it took 20 years. No, no, the security no, no. establishments... The security establishments nope, nope, in all countries are large, immovable nope, objects nope, that take a long time to nope, change direction.
2: Nope, nope, nope. I will not accept that because the fact remains that uh, once the government decides, uh, then the security establishments start adjusting accordingly. They do not call the part shots. Of the, the no, 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 no,
1: absolutely not. Part, of, it, the decision, the, part this, of the decisions this, 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 that governments make, uh, part of the decisions uh, that governments uh, all over the history. world...
0: But we can't take all governments as equal as well. I mean, we've got a lopsided power structure here. Hold
2: on, hold on. on. Look, this this is another defensive approach. No, it's not defensive, it's factual. I think we have to to discern between being factual and being... No, the United States hasn't had four coup d'etats, for God's sake. So, nobody's suggesting
1: suggesting they've had four coup d'etats.
2: Now, listen to an argument in full before...
1: Uh, uh, Coming up with your defensive No, 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 but there's a, see, if you paint the other side (laughs) as suggesting that, we're suggesting that the U.S. and Pakistan are are equal, that's not what's been suggested. Exactly.
2: What has been suggested is this business about security establishments are immobile or even, no, they're not. Yes, they are. Once... If you, you keep saying, okay, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, the no, 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 Security establishments are part of decision making. They do not always have a veto. They have a veto in totalitarian states. So, for example, in the Soviet Union, they had a veto. When Khrushchev wanted to normalize with the United States, the security establishment said, don't. And so that's, and the security establishment prevailed. But in most liberal countries, the security establishments make adjustments. Number
1: one. What do you mean by liberal? What, 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 What do we mean by liberal?
2: Liberal societies are societies where there is some. Fluctuation in who can rule and who does rule and what decisions. So, so is are. India is it's India a liberal country? A, it's, a political, it's a political science term, absolutely. And India is like that too, by the way. And does India occasionally have uh, greater deference to its established security establishment? Uh, the civilians listen to it, yes. But it's a process in which there is a give and take. For example, Indira Gandhi overruled her security establishment in 1973 when she signed the Simla accord without insisting that Pakistan accept the line of control as the international border the inter- the documents have been released many of those documents are available they are cited in both my books actually in which the she said, "I don't want the civilian government of the Rukh Ali Bhutto to fall to a coup d'état because I am pushing them too hard." So my point being that the security establishment wanted her to take a totally hard line, say, "You know what? We have several thousand, uh, tens of thousands of uh, prisoners of war. Let's hold them and hold them as ransom to settle the Kashmir dispute." And she said, "That's not practical. Let's not do it." The flexibility in Pakistan is a lot less, a lot less. Sure. Every civilian. Nobody. Nobody argued that. You were just arguing that because no, you no. sometimes because these days you are on a high horse on this particular argument, so you, therefore you don't. I mean, you are younger than me, so I can take the liberty of occasionally uh, uh sort of scolding you on this. Calmly listen to the context and this comparison of security establishments are immovable, like or security establishments also try to be realists, and they often are open to other ideas. So. Second World War. General Patton says, we are in Europe. We've defeated the Nazis. We might as well now turn and start defeating the Soviet Union. The president of the United States says, that's not feasible. The nation is tired. We can't fight another war. Back off. OK, Patton so here's, again, here's the problem. And Patton was public with it, Sometimes learn, na. Do you know the whole history
1: of Pakistan? No, so but Pakistan can I be honest hard. with you? I, I don't... I'll, I'll be honest with you. No, Arar, you, you have you. to care. You have to learn.
2: Musharraf, if nei, you're nei, not nei. interested in learning... And you're just going to read Pakistan Studies books at me... In better English. I don't need that. Well, I have studied them. Too. I, I <laughs> think you can
0: be... I mean, that's slightly unfair. I think... Look, we're trying to... Uh, just put one context in. I mean, you've been an ambassador. You've been there during one of the most trying times. And I mean... Even in your own work, you must have realized that in order to get things done, there was a very realizable, very obvious degree of what space you had and didn't have. And then I'm wondering, is that at the same level as like from the foreign world interacting with Pakistan, is that, you know, you don't want to push it over from what it can or cannot do. And within... The ambit of what's possible is sort of our question right now. Because even I agree with you. Some of the larger issues. Would you like it that the security establishment is totally subservient to the civilian side? Is perfect, but in terms of what is happening, the question on uh, what we could have imagined maybe three years ago and what we're doing today. I, I don't think anyone could have said that that was even possible then.
1: And and that's the whole point. I, I mean. Of course, it's important I bet to, to know. I,
2: I, I beg to differ. I would say that, for example, after Musharraf, it was a different generation of, of course, there wasn't podcasts, but there were television anchors who were saying the, making the same argument on behalf of General Parvez Musharraf. The amount of things he's done, the things that have happened, the turn we've taken, it's amazing. It's amazing read. That's why I keep saying go back into the past, examine, open yourself to contrary facts. Look. I have always been a contrarian. So I always like arguing with myself, which is why I have changed and evolved. I mean, I say that people who don't argue with themselves and their own arguments cannot change their point of view. Argue with yourself and say, okay, here's uh, an American who put faith in Musharraf and spent a lot of money. And after eight or nine years, realized that many of the things that they were told were happening weren't really happening.
1: I, I think and, we keep trying to, uh, Ambassador Kanee. We keep trying. Uh, so we've gone back into sort of history from 1947. We've we've talked no, 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 without,
2: without history. There's nothing, Mushara.
1: No, no, no. But without uh, yeah, but but we Russians always
2: their behavior towards others based on history. What you want? What you want is you want to make a declaration and say we've changed, ladies and gentlemen. Carlotta Gall. Get, get in line, accept that we've changed. <laughs> Why the heck aren't you guys accepting that we've changed? What's wrong with you? And we cut your sentences halfway. If you say uh, that, you know, this is not how it is. When you listen to this, you this podcast,
1: listen, I don't I think... Da-da-da-da-da. That's <laughs> not how the world works. <laughs> and with all due respect, with
2: all due respect Sharaf, you will continue to solve this problem. You will continue to talk to Pakistanis. And Carlotta Gall will continue to talk to the rest of the world. And if you want to bridge the narrative, open yourself to my arguments a little bit, take a deep breath and say, does he have a valid point?
1: How
2: how How can we now make the argument that we are making a change by first acknowledging some of the mistakes of history and saying yes. But if we do not, here's the other part of it. We just also don't acknowledge. Look, when I say I was wrong before, then I can make the argument of why have right
1: you, have you ever I am right. Have, have you, you ever been
2: wrong? All my life, man. I mean, I'm open. I'm, open. Hey, I'm probably wrong in having agreed to talk to you right now. So, my point is,
1: one has to be open to the idea <laughs> okay. that, that saam, you are wrong. Pastor to you are to your heart. No, no, I don't, I don't think… My friend,
2: Penelia is beating your tongue in your
1: I'm not saying
2: मेरे the कान बहुत the हैं। cannot cannot easily say that things
1: have changed. So the so the forty three I the $43 billion CPEC, that's a figment of our imagination. That's just the rest of the world. It's not,
2: it's not being built, number one. Number two, it's going to take 10 to 15 years. And at every stage, there can be a change. My point and, is… And you're now, hoping that there is. My bottom line. My bottom line point that I've tried five times to complete Musharraf. And you're very well trained at doing this. Uh, it seems, uh, train yourself in, in cutting. Bottom line is there is a Pakistani narrative that Pakistanis are very happy with. And there is a global narrative which you get very upset with. I am trying to tell you to take a deep breath and try and understand where the global narrative is coming from. It, sh- it can't be your outrage that I'm outraged. How dare people say that we are not accomplishing yeah, but I, I'm are. trying to
1: understand who on this show, am, between myself, you and Fussy is the one that's outraged right now. Hmm? Who among the three I, of us sounds the most outraged? Well, I'm outraged at your behavior. Really? Uh, because,
2: because you in, keep interrupting instead of, you know, like we had that silly little, yes, it is, no, it is, which is not a form of argumentation in my, for, uh, in my book. Yeah, but, but no, 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 I'm not outraged. I'm trying to explain global outrage with Pakistan. No, but, but it I, isn't I, global. I, it's what it's what like adds, two articles. Uh, and, I'm trying, and I'm trying to tell you that there is a reason why every few weeks, There's no conspiracy. These people don't even talk to each other. There is a reason why every few weeks or few months, there's an article in the Guardian or in the Telegraph or there's one in the New York Times. Instead of getting upset about it, take take a step back and say, okay, how do we correct it longer term? This assumption that, you know, look, we spent 50-55 years putting all our eggs in the American basket, thinking that America will come in uh, Rescuers. Now we are talking about China and China is our great savior. Where are we? We publish, we are a nation of 200 million people. We, 200 million people, half of whom are literate, but we produce fewer books now produced in Romania every year.
1: Yeah, but this is, see, again, this is. More books are published in Urdu in
2: India. Then they are in Pakistan. what's going on? Why is it that Pakistan ranks one hundred and forty ninth out of one hundred and seventy countries in higher education? So there is something that we need to reflect on,
1: and and the best way of doing that it, and the yes. best way of doing that, Ambassador Kani, the best way of doing that is uh, a series of history lessons and uh, an attack piece by Carlotta Gall in the New York Times.
2: no, no, but it's uh, but a reflection on history is a good idea. I uh, think uh, self-congratulation, self-congratulation only make us think that we, that, that what do we need to do? China to dollar and hai na pehtaali dollar dollar. Akani,
0: I just uh, wanted to ask a question which is a bit which,
2: broader. Which is my it? feeling that, which is my feeling that many of you are at deep down, if you scratch the surface, that's what you're doing, you're adopting that. You are not willing to come to terms with history. People will throw history at you, so master the history yourself. But instead of, every time I refer to history, Musharraf jumps in his seat as if uh, I've said a dirty word. But that is reality.
0: I I think the question is also, I mean, the point made earlier is that I see where parallels of history come in, but... Also that, you know, as new developments take place, giving its rightful um, sort of importance to that is also important. But one of the things that I think a question that comes out of this... So it's also like with, when you look at Carla Gal and, you know, she's got a book and she talks about the wrong enemy. And it's a question of how the engagement is going on between the United States and Pakistan. So if you had to think from the American perspective... How would you correct course from their perspective, which would suit their interests?
2: Well, I, I won't get into that. Uh, I will let Americans talk to you about it whenever you can find Americans to talk to you about it. Uh, my bottom line is that, you see, this whole business about course correction, taking it as lightly as you people seem to me to be taking it uh, is just where the problem comes from. Look, it's not that you did something stupid small. It's not that we did something small. This business about that was then we are on the right track. No, we have basically consistently shared falsified versions of events with the rest of the world. So the rest of the world wonders whether the events or the uh, narrative that is being shared with them today is true. So the onus is on us to prove that no, 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 we have changed from being, uh, shall we say, falsifiers of facts, to people who are now really changing and telling the truth and that is where the problem comes from. Now, as far as American policy is concerned, I think the Americans already are figuring out a new policy. On the one hand, they want to remain engaged with Pakistan. On the other hand, uh, they want to change the nature of that engagement. Uh, I don't think any decisions will be taken until after the 2016 presidential election. So everything is going to continue the way it is continuing. But very frankly, I am from the school of thought that does not consider a decision to give more aid, for example, as some kind of a vote of confidence. I see it as a form of, oh God, this is the way, this is the only way we'll get them to do anything. And that, again, will not
0: Stop people like Carlotta Gall from criticizing us.
2: So we may continue to receive aid, but we will continue to be criticized.
0: I think, I think the question is also is that you know it's not a question of having anyone stop criticizing Pakistan, but if there is an assertion which doesn't seem to be true, I think taking that up is not a exercise in self-deception. And no, it is no,
2: it isn't fussy. But here's my question: Yes, why is it? Why is it that? Almost none of you are getting as much traction in the rest of the world uh, as the critics are there was a time when so wait who somebody made that like who made that
1: who, sorry but wait let me let me challenge that for a second and you know you'll just have to accept and deal with the fact that we keep interrupting you because that's kind of how we how we do this no we're trying to have we're,
2: no we're, we're, we're trying I'm, I'm to have thoroughly enjoying that sorry but,
1: Fantastic. Uh, we are we're enjoying this immensely. Even though the sound quality is not ideal, I hope that when when listeners are are, are listening, uh, they'll be able to discern what's being said. But it's a fantastic conversation. Let me say this: the you know you just asserted that none of you. I'm assuming that includes myself and Fussy are having any traction globally, whereas our critics are. Uh, but here's the question: if there was track, first of all, I'm not sure that. Myself or Fussy are particularly trying to have global traction, uh, but you are talking to two uh, of the members of the Young Global Leaders of the World Economic Forum. Just as an FYI, but but that 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 being what it is, where is Carlotta Gall's traction? Because. Everywhere we look, whether it's Saudi Arabia, Iran, India, Afghanistan, China, the United States, the United Kingdom, the European Union, everywhere we look, there is a clear attempt uh, to engage Pakistan and to sustain that engagement. And some of it is uh, painted in a certain way by critics of Pakistan. But for the most part, particularly during this government, but even the last couple of years, maybe the last three and a half, four years, in fact, the entire era of, of Zardari being president was essentially a, a time period in which there were ups and downs, of course, and there was a terrible down with the U.S. in 2011. But for the most part, the international community recognizes the both negative and positive externalities that Pakistan can give to the world. And therefore, the idea of isolating Pakistan, is a, it's been a non-starter for a long time. So I don't think the Carlotta Gauls of the world have any traction at
0: all. And Musharraf, just I want to add one quick thing is also on the question of traction. I think the fact that it appeared as an opinion piece and not necessarily a reporting uh, piece filed, that also says a lot about it. Even New York Times go (laughs) share So so I'm So I'm just saying is I I think we've used it here as a point for open-ended discussion but not necessarily one that describes whether this has too much traction or not. But it's an interesting assertion that's been made, and I think it deserves to be challenged. Okay, now let me explain what the assertion
2: was, because you
0: misinterpreted the uh, assertion.
2: The assertion was not that Carlos pieces because unlike Musharraf, I don't get obsessed about pieces. Pieces come and pieces go. So. <laughs> uh, it depends on the piece. <laughs> sir, sir ja piece, ithna ja, zapata. Ja
1: piece, I, I, piece, I, pieces seriously. I piece. took pieces
2: seriously. If I took pieces seriously, then all the stuff that's written about me in, uh, in Pakistan, including, including, since I'm a student of history and somebody who remembers history, certain pieces by a certain Musharraf Zahidi, I would not even be talking to anybody. Uh, uh, so, sort if of, you know, uh, speaking from there. So my point is, it's not about traction for the pieces and it's not about isolation and it's not about engagement. It's about whose narrative is believed. Let me assure you that the people who are criticizing Pakistan are laying the foundations of an argument that has much more global traction in the sense that a lot of it is in books. Whereas a lot of what you people say is only television, radio and uh, presentations, as well as in small articles. Again, as I said, articles come and go. Uh, a narrative is being built. Now, Pakistan had a positive narrative all the way from about 1947 to about 1999, maybe 2000. And even after 9-11, there was a very positive narrative all of a sudden. Well, you know, a little bit of the event with the Taliban, but it's the bastion and it's going to change everything, etc., etc., et etc. Cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I know that being young Pakistanis who are sitting in Pakistan, you have embraced a narrative and you're all very enthusiastic about it. But open yourself at least to the suggestion that it may not necessarily be as big a deal as you think it has become. Going to the World Economic Forum, World Economic Forum will always invite people from important countries. And nobody says Pakistan is not an important country. The fact still is that when I was your age and even younger than you, I could travel to more countries without a visa than you can travel now. That is a fact. More and more restrictions have come on. Fewer Pakistanis are being allowed to immigrate nowadays than before. We, our presence in academia is diminishing compared to other uh, others, compared to the size of our population. And what I meant by, by attraction was, we can write five articles in the news in Pakistan, but, the New York Times is still the New York Times. So whether the New York Times runs it as an opinion piece or as a news story, it is read by certain people. And it does influence their view and perception of party. Okay, Just perfect. to finish so, so. it off, when I, when I became ambassador in, uh, in May 2008, only half of America used to look upon Pakistan favorably. One year later, it changed, and we actually had something like 66% favorable which was an improvement. Now we are down to about 78, 79% having an unfavorable view. America is only one country, but let us look at others. Why is it that Sri Lanka, which did not have a visa for Pakistan from 1947 to 2007, now has a visa requirement for Pakistan? It's a restriction an undue restriction.
1: Okay, there so, was a,
2: so, there see, were more. That's a perfect more setup. That's airlines a, flew to
0: Pakistan. Yeah. Four
2: airlines flew to Pakistan 30, 40 years ago when Pakistan was poorer, and uh, Pakistan had less money, and Pakistan
1: had uh, 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 uh,
2: didn't even have nuclear yeah. weapons. Perfect.
1: So that's that the perfect setup. Uh, Ambassador Kani, that's the perfect setup, because that really brings me, at least, to the core question that this whole discussion is about for me, which is knowing how bad Pakistan has it knowing the skill set that you bring to the table and the brilliance that you have in terms of understanding communication and understanding the rest of the world and understanding how narratives and discourses are constructed and deconstructed and reconstructed, knowing all this and knowing how much you love Pakistan, that's something a lot of people don't know because they assume a bunch of things about you. But I know, knowing you and knowing how much you love Pakistan and knowing everything that you know about how the whole world works, isn't this especially right now, where Pakistan has made a number of improvements, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, isn't this the perfect time for Pakistan to be served by the Hosanna Khani effect as opposed to Hosanna Akhani sitting on the side and rationalizing Carlotta Gall's pieces? Isn't this the time for for you? To, if you had, in one year, the impact of 16% on, on the U.S. opinion polls imagine what you could have had if you'd been working for pakistan since this is why for me memogate memogate's not a tragedy for hussain akanni memogate's a tragedy for pakistan why why shouldn't somebody like me expect and and be upset by the fact that hussain akanni isn't on, on on the on the side that says you know what pakistan's made a lot of mistakes but this is the time for renewal and for changing gear, and for changing direction. And there's a number of good signs, and let's build on those positives, and let's try and eliminate whatever negatives are left.
2: Well, Musharraf, first of all, uh, very kind of you to to praise me uh, so much. Uh, I'm not worthy of that praise, but all I will say is that nobody can help uh, anybody who does not want that help. Uh, So I cannot represent somebody who doesn't want me to represent them. All I can do is express my opinions. Uh, there are roles that people play, and as an academic, my role is different. As ambassador, it was different. Uh, if tomorrow I am representing or uh, uh, presenting the government's nag- uh, perspective, I will definitely present it in the best possible way. No, but but even why then, does it have to be either yes?
1: or, Ambassador Akanni? Why why do we why do you have to be ambassador or minister in order to in order to project Pakistan's positives?
2: No, I'm still projecting Pakistan's positives. But you see, here's the problem. Even as ambassador, people used to say he's American ambassador rather than Pakistan's. But that's what I was doing even then. I was projecting to Americans Pakistan's positives and to Pakistanis my critique of what we need to do, which is always the best thing to do when you're in the middle. When you are being listened to by both sides, when you have the opportunity to be heard by both sides, that's what you ought to do. Um, I have disagreed with you in the past also, Sharif. I actually would uh a passing uh sort of you know thought leave this with you that maybe it's time to pay attention to why the criticism is what it is and how to address it. And the defensiveness that defense uh, look, nationalism has many many uh, manifestations. One of them, of course, is an aggressive manifestation. We hate people who criticize us. We hate people who attack us. Then there is a defensive manifestation, which is any criticism of us is bad, and it's coming from people who are evil and people who are not doing enough for us. Uh, that's not the, that's that's not true. And praising ourselves is more important than uh, analyzing our negatives. The problem here is that analysis has to be done, and and, uh, and there isn't enough analysis. Self-congratulation is not analysis. Saying these are our strengths is not analysis. That's just praise. And I am now at that stage in my life where I am neither praising anybody nor condemning anybody. I am just analyzing You were just,
1: I see No, it. you were just praising Indra Gandhi for saving Zulfikar Ali Bhutto. So, I mean, I am saying that if, <laughs> <laughs> if you can… No, I'm, I,
2: I, you, didn't, you didn't hear that right. I was praising Indra Gandhi for overruling the security establishment of India. Any thoughts, fact, on,
1: anybody des- any thoughts on
2: anybody deserves- anybody Any thoughts on Nawaz Sharif Anybody deserves praise on this if anybody deserves praise on this it's uh, Zulfikar Ali Bhutto for having convinced Indira Gandhi to defy her own security establishment and accept his point of view
1: Any any words for Nawaz Sharif who's I I believe done the most that anyone's done in recent history in terms of South Asia's integration and connectivity
2: I think Nawaz Sharif has a good program and a good outlook on the situation, and I think that uh, if he can succeed, it will be a good for everyone in the region.
1: But isn't the fact that, that the countries have actually, even after something like Patan Court, uh, have actually managed to dial down the rhetoric as in as opposed to dialing it up after one, of the, one that kind of an incident? Isn't that in itself a success uh, for Nawaz Sharif's uh, South Asia policy?
2: It's definitely a positive development.
1: And look, I mean, hey, I know so now he you've, just to... jumped, you've just jumped—you've just jumped well, on the Musharraf Zedi I... bandwagon. You're just praising Pakistan. What's up with that, Ambassador Akanni? <laughs>
2: <laughs> because Musharraf, I'm not like Musharraf Zedi. You see, uh, I am not into this game of just praising or condemning, etc. If I do, and uh, and I would like to you to start learning to do it. It's never too late. I know you're older than I when I first met you, uh, much older, uh, but uh, uh, just for the record, folks, uh, I've known Musharraf since he was a child, so therefore, um, I can take liberties with him. Uh, The fact of the matter is that analysis is analysis. Learn to understand analysis as analysis, not all analysis is praise, not all analysis is condemnation. So it's not about, if I say it's a positive development, it's an analytical statement. Unlike you who says we should praise it for success or condemn somebody, don't use those words. Look at it as what is happening and what's the comment
0: I just want to add a question and you've alluded to this in the past, uh, uh, just uh, when we were speaking earlier about being called a traitor and all that, uh, just for the events during your ambassadorship. And also one of the things is that even now, um, when you make the news, do you, uh, are you cognizant of the fact that you're actually in a very special, unique position because you have uh, such an insider view of things that your words might have greater truth? Because I, I, I found it interesting that your comments on the F-16 sale, for example, and then when I looked into it, they were far more nuanced than they had been reported subsequently. So, you know, just the, the fact that you wrote a book so soon that, um, you know, uh, you're commenting now. I mean, how, how do you take that into account when you well, do, do look, your, your recent roles?
2: Look, where you're sitting, people will distort and people will shout and people will raise their voices, which is how, unfortunately, we've become. We will distort uh, things because we want everything to be overly simplified. It's either praise or condemnation. It's either... I was simply asked a question, what do you think Pakistan will use F-16s for? And I said, Pakistan will use F-16s for security against India, which is what they are intended for. Pakistan already has 76 F-16s, if it gets an eight uh, extra F-16s, even with precision munitions, that's not what is going to be uh, the function. uh, the main function fighting terrorism is not going to be the main function of that particular platform or plane. So that was distorted. He says, Don't give F 16s to Pakistan. I never said that in that many words. As you said, it was a much more nuanced position. But look, one has to decide what one wants to do for uh, There was a time when you start sort of, you know, your life and you say, Okay, I'm going to be a print journalist. Then you decide I'm going to move on. Then you decide, for example, to start a pod- podcast. Then you might be doing other things. I have decided that my role in life now is that scholar and academic and an analyst and that's what I'm doing and more importantly my point of view is heard around the world it is for example my articles are carried by it's it's funny when I find that you know my articles being carried as far away as somewhere something like the soul times or or or, or some strange newspaper in Africa but that's the advantage of being uh, sort of being able to uh, have an and bring an analytical touch to things instead of just being simply Uh, an advocate. And, uh, you know, as ambassador, my job was advocacy, and I think I did it very well. Uh, It's not my job to be an advocate, Uh, although as a Pakistani, I would like the best for Pakistan. And I think what I say is, in my humble opinion, what will be good for Pakistan
0: in the long term. Well, the other thing is also that being called a traitor is actually fairly common. I've gotten it multiple times. Musharraf gets it quite often. And it's, uh, I think
2: in our discourse firstly we yes. need to have discourse in which we actually start listening to arguments but have and you have you watched it. Fox
1: News recently and, or or have you followed the GOP sort of uh, the, I have, the- I,
2: have never, I have never watched
1: Fox News uh,
2: <laughs> shelves, so, so I'm not about to start that at age 59 uh, but let me say one thing that this craziness even if, if, if the uh, uh, if people draw analogies with Fox News etc etc, the point is there always has to be a middle where there is room for discussion. If there is something wrong happening on Fox News or on uh, uh, Times Now in India, there's no reason for us. Maybe we, we can have maybe two channels like that where, where, where everybody screams. We can't have 40 channels where everybody screams. Somebody has to actually calmly analyze. Now, for example, I personally am as critical of Carl Otter as some of you are. But with one difference, I understand that when Carlotta says something, we can't have this dismissive approach that Musharraf would like me to have about her. I would actually say that why is she saying all this? Why is she Why is she going the other way? Why aren't we able to talk to her and uh, say, no, but you see, your perspective is wrong for this reason and that, etc., etc. Why is it that, an, as I said in my book, parallel universes there is a discourse that is found in Pakistan and then there's a discourse that is found especially in the West but also generally around the world for example I already gave you the example of Sri Lanka and South Korea etc they are making certain decisions about us or if Kuwait has kind of limited visas for Pakistanis completely and is diminishing the number of Pakistanis who work there there's obviously a fear and a panic about us that is not justified but that needs to be dealt with calmly not with the emotion that we come to, which is, why are you against us? Just say to people, what did you mean when you say this? Um, Can we persuade you otherwise? And maybe also reflect a little bit that maybe our own conduct in the past has contributed to this negativity. So how can we actually say, sorry about the past, but, and then start something new. Instead of saying, don't talk about the past. Why don't you see what we are doing right
1: now? See, this is what I really, this is the part, this is, and again, it's true, I, I have known Ambassador Harkani for a long, long time, and this is the part that's, like, just so incredibly frustrating, is when you start to be reasonable and start making sense. I mean, it took 45 minutes or so, but the last five minutes, <laughs> that that was poetry. I that mean... Makes sense
2: to you, to your <laughs> listeners, it probably made much more sense. All... Your problem, uh, Musharraf, again, <laughs> as a friend is, you, is that, that you often think that disagreement with you is somehow
1: uh, a crime. whereas It's not a, yet. It's not yet. But but we're working on no, no, legislation. It's, <laughs> it's,
2: not, it's not in the legislative sense, but in your heart and mind, it already is. So you kind of already, you always start becoming snarkier and sharper. And that doesn't advance the discussion. The fact of the matter is... It's also
0: endearing in him.
2: Well, it's endearing. That's why I love him so much and and, 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 and uh, never say no to him when he asks uh, sort of, you know, for, for, for my participation in anything. But at the same time, there is this, look, he has this enthusiasm. Musharraf Zaidi is a very enthusiastic person and I love his enthusiasm. And probably I was like that maybe 30 years ago. Uh, but here's the problem with that enthusiasm. Enthusiasm has to be Moderated by knowledge and experience. It can't be, it can't just be the only thing that can drive everything. It's important also to, you know, you, 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 must, there's a Chinese saying that you must learn to swim wide, but you must also learn to swim deep. And so sometimes it's important to go into details. It's interesting, Fussy, that you noted the nuance in my F16 argument, which many people didn't. For a lot of people, it's all about are you for us? Are you against us? Just as a parting note, I'll tell you a funny story. So when the similar agreement was signed, there was a big function, and I was about uh, 13, 14, 15 at that time. And there was a big function in uh, Lahore in which various speakers were invited to speak about the similar agreement. So a lot of people stood and condemned the similar, similar agreement. Then one person stood and defended it. Uh, he was from the, uh, from the government at that time. And then I remember... Film star Muhammad Ali stood up in the middle and he said, well, you see, I have some arguments for and some arguments against. At that point, four or five people in the audience stood up and said, <laughs> meaning, we won't let you give us four arguments in favor or against and then draw a conclusion. We just want you to decide beforehand whether it's good or bad and say, good, uh, say yeah, I am in favor and I'm against.
0: That is a discourse that I think is not helping Pakistan. There there is just one supplementary question on the F-16 one that just occurred to me. Although uh, I I did see the nuance, but you know, we did use the F-16s to carpet bomb uh, terrorist hideouts when we started off our campaign here in Pakistan
2: yes and they caused much more casualties than it, that's any of
0: another them. question i agree with that that it's probably not the way to do
2: it that's that's not what they are designed for look every every weapon is designed for something so for example a cannon is not designed to do the function of a revolver uh, and so if you if you i mean of course you can say i use the cannon to blow so and so up just like i would have killed him with a revolver the difference is when you use a cannon to do the job of a revolver The uh, damage is far greater, but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, Pakistan will get its 8 F-16s, 76 F-16s plus 8 will take it to 84. It's not a big thing. We are a nuclear weapons power. We already have our security ensured. In case of the jihadis and the terrorists, the decision that we have to make is to essentially start turning the screws on them in our cities, stop their recruitment, stop their training, stop their financing. And I think that there we have had some success compared to the past, much better than before. But for a lot of people, simply not enough. And that is something we should recognize rather than get angry with those who say, look, whenever there's a glass half full, glass half empty argument, the people who want people to recognize that the glass is half full do get angry with those who say, but it's half empty. Why don't we just say it's our glass? Let's take care of it. If it's half empty, let's fill it a little more. If it's half full, let's appreciate that and still fill it a little bit more. That's what is needed. And instead, we just get very offended and seem to have very thin skin to other people's criticism of us. What? We need to have a thicker skin.
0: Well, I, All think right. I think <laughs> we'll, we'll bring it to a close now. Uh, Ambassador Akanni. it's been great speaking to you. Um, and uh, Musharraf, anything? Well, just that
1: you know I mean the fact that we wanted uh, to to speak to you about this and uh, and I thought uh, at at times you know uh, we're quite open to hearing the not just the short argument but the long argument as to how we got here and what we need to do to get better. I think it 's really important that Pakistanis continue to have exposure. Uh, to Hossein Akkani's voice. Uh, I also think it's really important for Pakistanis to hear Hossein Akkani call out uh, things that are gratuitous like certain assertions in in the Carlotta Gall piece. So I think overall this has been a phenomenal conversation. I'm so glad we, we asked you and I'm so, so thankful that, that you agreed to do it. Uh, and and uh, of course we'll, we'll make up over, over WhatsApp later on. But thank you so much for doing this. This is great.
2: Pleasure being here. Thank you.
1: Thank, Thank you so much. Take care, Ambassador Rakhani. Khud hafiz.
0: So, Musharraf, we're back once again, and I, we were all going to discuss uh, another... I, ch- I, I don't think that even became part of the question. Hello? Yeah, Fussy, I can hear you. Okay. Yes. So obviously we we were going to discuss something else entirely as well. You know the Bloomberg piece, but I think that's gone by the wayside. And this was a, a very interesting discussion.
1: <laughs> I thought he was brilliant. He's uh, you know uh, I, I thought that it was uh, it was interesting um, the. The way in which he sort of finished off in the argument that he gave was exactly, in a sense, exactly the conversation that we had about the Carlotta Gall piece, uh, you know, which was that it would have been so much more powerful and so much more useful as a tool uh, for us, for people like you and I, to use, um, you know, domestically if it wasn't as gratuitous as it was. I mean, the whole the whole sort of argument I have on on critiques of Pakistan is that when they're fair... They actually are enablers for people to actually go out and say, "Hey, guys, look, this is what they're saying in the New York Times. Shouldn't we do a better job?" The problem with the Carlotta Gall piece is who can you take it to and still get taken seriously within Pakistan, as important as the rest of the world is. And uh, you know, given given sort of my work on public diplomacy and and and, and that kind of thing, I'm extremely sensitive to uh, you know the way in which Pakistan is perceived. But I think it's really important also. Uh, to be considerate of how things are perceived within Pakistan.
0: Well, I agree with that. I think the other thing is also that, for me, whereas, you know, there are parts of the piece that I do agree with, there are assertions that are being made, I think there's always areas that we can do better in, and uh, the scrutiny of the work we've been doing, at least internally, has not been as clear as it should be. There's a lot of opacity in it. But at the same time, I think, making some jumps, especially with unnamed sources or where the assertion has come from. And I do not deny, I think, Pakistan's greatest problem is that it's an extremely loose state. I think one of the reasons why people like to set up base here is because you can have like a fully functioning multimedia office with every technological advance, and yet the government knows absolutely nothing, and you can be in the middle of nowhere while you're doing it. But to suggest that the state is interested in this i think one is that there isn't enough evidence at least backed up or corroborated by other foreign sources, uh, sources which uh, obviously needs to be done if it's the first salvo in something that may have happened but i don't think at this stage given somehow how we've been uh, addressing some of the things imperfectly as they may be but i don't think that this was there and i think it was important to bring it out that A piece such as this, uh, it could have had its own merits. I think people speaking from an American perspective can do it legitimately. If they feel that their largesse is not being received in a worthy fashion, that may be entirely fine from their end, but it has to be grounded in some sort of fact. And I think in this particular piece, this one thing jumps out to you and then you wonder that, you know, what is the veracity of the rest of it? And, and I think, I think it's, it's important to discuss it. It's important to bring it out. And really, I see the ambassador's point that, you know, not to be offended by it. But I think at the same time, you know, you can see another person's perspective, but uh, you can see that perspective when the facts are slightly agreed upon and, you know, there's different versions of how one interprets it. But where, when there's a, you know, a curveball thrown in for a left of center uh, sort of, uh, you, uh, you know, fact, fact that most people, people like I, would, would not necessarily agree I, I think, think it deserves, deserves to be contested. contested. No, I, I, I couldn't
1: agree more. Um, and I thought that you know the ambassador sort of was, I think, quite reasonable in in agreeing that that there was elements of that piece that were just beyond the pale as far as uh, relationship with reality and truth are concerned.
0: I Fantastic. absolutely agree.
1: Fantastic, Fussy. Uh, as always, thank you so much uh, for. Co-hosting and uh, and doing this with me, and thank, thank you, you so much. much. I, really I really enjoyed, enjoyed this today. today. Actually, it was it was a it was a good, fun conversation, and I think uh, I'll be I'll be watching and listening carefully to the way in which it's received by by our listeners. Uh, as always, you can you can hit us up at uh, on social media on Facebook on Twitter, and uh, at our email address, which is how to the numer the numeral to Pakistan how to Pakistan at gmail let us uh, let us have uh, whatever thoughts you have. Thank you so much for listening once again. And from Musharraf Zedi, it's over now. It's khuda hafiz. And cue
0: in some, in some of that kick-ass, kick-ass ass music. It's, it's going to be, be good to end on that,
1: that note. Khuda everyone.